0: This is Larie Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. You guys know I love amplifying the voices of people who are speaking truth to power in ways that really resonate with us, of course, but also which transcend. And there are some voices out there that transcend community, transcend racial groups, and the voice you heard of the video on the intro to this segment is one such voice. Uh, This morning, Kelly Huff is with us today. She is an intellectual interrogator, a defiant (laughs) debater, and a champion of common sense. Uh, She's a native Louisianan, I hope I pronounced that correctly. All my folks from Louisiana gonna have to correct me on that one, Uh, and an HBCU graduate. She is self-described as quote, very Southern, very Black, very much her mother's child and very proud of each of these things. Graduating from Xavier University with a degree in biology and pre-med, she actually decided to go the acting route, tapping into her Kuumba, her creativity. (laughs) Uh, And shortly after graduation, uh, and apparently she still keeps med school in her pocket as a plan B. That's how I feel about being a midwife. It will happen one day, I'll get over this law thing. Uh, But she, shortly after graduation, auditioned and was accepted into the The American Musical and Dramatic Academy uh, went on national tour. And in in addition to all of that, she's just really, really good at digesting politics, and presenting political thought to us in ways that are extraordinarily powerful. Uh, she is someone who I think you will quickly find uh, believes in science, fact, truth, and love. She is a celebrating her 25th year as a, quote, silver soror of the best Black Greek letter organization ever created, Delta Sigma Theta Incorporated, end quote. And we are so <laughs> blessed to have her here with us today. Ms. Kelly Huff, it is a real pleasure to have you. We've been wanting to speak with you for a while. Welcome to the Larry Daniel favorite show.
1: Thank you so much Larry. That was a great introduction. I will slide you a 20 under the table <laughs> for doing that. That was great. And also the fact that you said I was dialing into my kuumba. Listen, at Xavier University of Louisiana, we actually do that as part. We do um, Kwanzaa celebrations wow. in University 1010. Like, so no matter if you take it in the fall or in the spring, you're going to do a Kwanzaa celebration at the end of University 1010. Wow. Well, at least when I was there, we did it. Yeah. And so we had to learn all the principles. We had to make presentations on the principles. So that mm-hmm. just made my HBCU heart so happy when you mm. said that.
0: Well, I'm, I'm only HBCU adjacent. I work at a predominantly That's Black okay. institution. I didn't actually get to go to an HBCU. So I'm always trying to relive uh, the moment. But Kwanzaa, we celebrate Kwanzaa on this show every single day. We call That's out right. each one of those principles, So we already in simpatico, as they like yes, to say. That's right.
1: That's right. And you don't have to go to an HBCU to support an HBCU. If you are uplifting the voices, if you are supporting us financially, That's any right. way that you can support HBCU, support them. Because as as I like to call them, they are the incubators of black excellence. So mm, I, love
0: yeah, I love it. I love it. And them. yes, we, we like to remind people, you didn't have to go to one to send some coin to one and That's right. State is not getting my coin other than the Africana <laughs> studies department uh, to right. HBCU. It goes, uh, but, but I, I'm excited to have you here because I, again, I really think you have a way of taking in political news and information and you have a very clear message. Um, and if I may be so clear, it, it it really is summed up in just a few words and that is vote ho. And so That's I it. want you to explain to us what is the vote ho movement because it is something that we all need to be aware of. I've seen the shirts, the mugs, the gear. What is the vote <laughs> ho movement and why is this movement and this type of movement so very relevant for what our communities are facing right now?
1: Okay, well, first off, I will explain that from a very, very young age, I was into politics. And that I owe that all to my grandmother. When I came along, my dad was my grandmother's youngest child. So and my mom and my dad have like an 11 year gap in between them. So my grandmother was older when I came along. She was 75 years old when I was born. So I got to literally sit at the feet of someone who was born in 1903. And my grandmother was very, very much uh, supportive of our civic duty. Like she took me with her every single time my mother too. Took me with her every single time she voted, and I got to pull the lever when I was little, you know. So, wow. you know, when she would she would watch the news all day, as older people do, and she would make commentary, kind of like I make commentary now. Like she would make commentary as it's running, and so as a little kid, I used to ask questions all the time, and I was like, "Well, what's this? So what's it? So that's what peaked. That's what peaked my interest in mm. politics from jump. Then, uh, like. Actually, I'll tell you this. I went home and I was cleaning out boxes a couple of years ago and I found this little diary that I used to have, like when I was in the fourth and fifth grade, I was like 10 years old and I'm flipping through it. And you know, there's regular stuff in there from little girls and stuff talking about things. But then I come across this entry. I'm literally talking shit about Mike Dukakis wow. <laughs> and, the, and how he beat Jesse Jackson in the Democratic primary. And I'm like all of it, like eight or 10 years old writing these kinds of things down. Oh my God. So, That's where my love and interest of American politics started. Then, you know, as we got older, I was getting involved in the process and it, I've always been active in like political campaigns. I would volunteer when necessary. It wasn't until 2016 though, as, as we all know, that was, that was doomsday for our country. The big year. Uh, 20, the big year. And in 2016, when Hillary Clinton was defeated by Mango Mussolini, that's what I call him. Cause I, I don't even like to say his real name because I don't like giving it power in the universe. So I just, mm. he has mm. he has all kinds of names in my book. But when he won, part of me was like, well, what the hell is going on here? Mm. Like what, what's going on here? How did this happen? Like right. we cannot be here as a nation. So I started doing my own research and reading everything and came come to find out it was three specific states that had the lowest voter turnout. And that is how we got him as our president. That mm. is how we ended up with Donald Trump as president because people in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania did not show up in the way that they should have. Wow! He only won the Electoral College by under 100,000 votes. I want to say the number was like 78,000, something uh-huh. like that, split between those three states. So he won in Michigan by like 40,000 votes in Wisconsin by like 12 and then in Pennsylvania for the rest. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, what do you mean people didn't come out and vote? And so that sent me down a wormhole where I started looking at all the things. And I went back to 2010 when the Tea Party started gaining relevance in Barack Obama's presidency. Mm. And come to find out in 2010, people did not show up to put the congressmen in place to help support Barack's agenda. So that's how, you know, so, you know, and obviously it's pre 2008, we've been having problems obviously, but in 2010, that to me, especially somebody who's been watching politics all my life and who is very interested in it. And also I went and looked at the numbers. 2010 is when we started down on the down slope here Mm. and it all harkens back to people not participating. It was never, oh, the Republicans showed up and showed out and came out in you know numbers that were astronomical and they won. It was never that. What happens hmm. when the GOP wins usually is that it has been disengagement from the voting public. Wow. They are always going to vote. But when everyone else gets mad or upset or in their feelings, they're like, I'm not giving the Democrats my vote, all those silly things. Mm -hmm. That's when they win. So I started making all these diatribes on Facebook and I would be like, if you would just vote, Ho, we wouldn't have these problems. We wouldn't have these (laughs) issues. And so I would say it so much. And then it became a hashtag I would put every single time. And you know, you do that enough, people are going to be like, this needs to go on a t-shirt right like that's that's a catchy phrase and so that's how we kind of evolved into making it putting it on t-shirts putting on mugs and everything and that's how i got here (laughs) and i'm just like i just i want everyone to understand that this is the free legal way for us to fire the people who are Mm. not doing their jobs and, and their job is to give us the things we need and to put our tax dollars to work in ways that benefit us. They okay. are not doing that. So I want to, to break them. this
0: down. The, we need to fire them. The vote is how you are either hired or fired. And I want to break That's this it. down and slow it for a little bit because some people might have forgotten the significance of 2010. And I remember when 20 in 2008, when President Barack Obama uh, was elected, there were gunshots in my neighborhood, but we could all tell they were the celebratory kind. They weren't uh-huh, aimed at uh-huh. a person. They uh-huh. were <laughs> aimed in the sky. And we were clear right. about this. that it, There wasn't a similar ducking and crawling into the, I mean, at you, all. in Brooklyn, you know, you're gonna, you hear a gunshot, you're going to duck and crawl. Oh, but these yeah. were some Celebratory gunshots and people came out in droves and you are absolutely correct in 2010, whether it was a mix of voter suppression or just voter apathy, it's a midterm election. People tend to not be as interested. The numbers were nowhere near what they were supposed to be in 2008. Now audience, Here's why this really matters. Because when our guest says in 2010, that's when things started to go down. Let's break this down. 10 is a number ending in what? Zero. Zero. And we know on this audience, that's a census year. If it ends in zero, it's a census year. Which means the next year, which is a year ending in one, is what audience? Say it with me. Redistricting. That's right. Absolutely. You get a map.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you get a map. And you get a map. Everybody gets the map. Everybody and sometimes they're some
0: redrawn map. wrong. Yes. <laughs> and when we did not come out in 2010 for the midterms, people in state houses in the Republican Party ran the tables. I think that's the year President yep. Obama said that the Democrats got a shellacking. And because mm. they were in power in the state houses um mm-hmm. the republicans held the power in the states in 2010 and 2011 when it came time to draw the next set of maps which we're still dealing with the implications of they were Hello. able to gerrymander which means they could That's squeeze right. and pack all the democrats into as few districts as possible or they could crack us apart and split us up into as many districts as possible either way minimizing our electoral power and That's that right. as again we're stuck with those maps this is a 10 year decade effort and 10 year decade, a 10 years in a yeah. decade uh, effort. And that really did, to your point, put us on this downward spiral. And, and so yeah. now we're sort of at the point where a lot of people who came of age during that time, they've mm-hmm. not really known what it means to go out to vote and to do so successfully. Can you help us paint a picture of what might happen if we were voting at the levels that we should be i like to remind people when black men got the right to vote in the late 1800s they was voting at like 87 percent like what Hello? would it look like if we were voting ho <laughs> what would it look like <laughs> i love this hashtag uh what would it look like if we were voting at our strength as it pertains to what are the conditions in our community might look like
1: i feel like it would look like our tax dollars working the way they should. It would look like all the things that we were taught in civics class in high school. It would look like your, uh, we would have universal pre-K. It would look like having mm. a livable wage be the minimum wage. It would look like Uh, discussions about reparations it would look like us having free college at least state colleges or at the very least community colleges like I don't I still don't understand why we are charging so much money for Mm. education we are punishing people for wanting to be accurate and learned about things like Mm. what's going on so the, and also, it would look like government actually works instead of government being a front for illegal activity, which is what a lot of the people in the GOP wow. use their government offices for. Oh, you we, got
0: to tease that out. Ooh, break, <laughs> that, break it down, Miss Kelly. As we down. see right
1: now. I mean, we see it right now. You see what happened with Letitia James bringing up all the things about Mango Mussolini, right? Yeah. So... Uh, a, uh, what is her? The AG James brought up this case where she has been investigating this for years. By the That's way, right. this was not. And everybody who's saying it's politically motivated, it's not politically motivated. It's literally this man has broken the law for decades, right. and nobody in New York had the testicular fortitude to stand up to him because mm. either they were aspiring to be him, they were on his payroll, or they were just scared. You right. know what I mean? And yeah. you know that. Now you get a black woman in there, we ain't scared of nobody, especially Mm. if you're doing wrong and we can prove it, baby, game on, (laughs) game on. You're not going to sit here and play in our face. So with the GOP, what they do, they get into these offices and this is what I really want your listeners to understand. They are fleecing us y'all. They are fleecing mm. us. We pay these people's health care, We pay their salaries and we pay their pensions if they stay in office for Facts. five years or more. Facts. So they are literally in office taking our money and working against us. Those Mm. people are con men. They are not there to work for the people and to be public servants. They are there to get money from lobbyists in order to help corporations. It's all a sham, it's all a game. And that is what what I would dare say, most of the GOP is in office for right now. Because Mm. again, after 2010, when the Tea Party got their foot in the door, Then that opened the door for all these other wing nuts, these QAnon people and all this nonsense that's going on now. These extremists, they got in there because A, they see all that corporate money on the table because that's what corporations do. They give politicians money in order to make them vote in ways that will help corporations and not people. That's why your minimum wage has been minimum (laughs) this Mm. whole time, you Mm. know, and they are basically conning the American public. They are mooching off of us. They are living off of our tax dollars. And while they're doing that, they are keeping us in poverty. It's Mm. incomprehensible. And the fact that a lot of people don't look at it like that is what really like, I don't want to say aggravates me, but it upsets me simply because the same people who say, well, voting doesn't work, Also, go. Why is this happening? It should be a law against this. This is illegal. This should be illegal. You can make it illegal if you go and vote the people in who will write the bills and then make them into laws that will make this illegal. Mm. But, you know. I'm just one little person screaming at the sky. So who knows if anybody's (laughs) listening to me.
0: Well, (laughs) I'm raising my hand. I am here. And I I appreciate you.
1: I (laughs) I appreciate it. Uh,
0: Because the image you painted, and I y'all know I take notes. So I took some notes. You said if we had government, if we had people in our communities voting at our full strength, we could get Mm -hmm. universal pre-K, a livable wage, not just a minimum wage that is tied to the index, a livable wage tied to the index. Reparations. That's a big one. I want to come back to that free yes. college. I would add uh, expanded health care. I would yes. add uh, housing guarantees and supports yes. and, and moratoriums on evictions, particularly when you're in a pandemic. We could have the, the Build Back Better plan, which, frankly, dream, dreamt really big. I thought we could have dreamt even bigger. We could have not just hard infrastructure, soft infrastructure. You might right. just have clean water in That's Jackson- right. Flint, Newark, Baltimore, New York Hello. We might have clean water if we had all these things. And yet, and yet, and yet, if I go into a classroom of young people who are not taking civics in high school or young adults who did not take civics in high school because those programs got cut, Isn't if might tell something? them- Right, right, you already know where I'm going with this. Yeah, if yeah, I yeah. tell them something like, your ancestors died for you to have the right to vote. <laughs> Kelly, I'm gonna tell you this: what they do, miss. Oh, yeah. oh my God, is she still talking? I got to uh-huh. go. Like they have uh-huh. no interest whatsoever, none whatsoever. Mm. And if I don't have effective ways of meeting them, I can't even get to all the good things that could happen if government were working. How That's have right. you been able to sort of crack this nut of being able to speak clearly enough that to the the, and to the, the voter or the potential voter or the non-registered voter in making uh, who has all of the uh, the, the lack of interest there, they've said, I've, I've tried to vote once, I voted for Obama, Ain't nothing changed. <laughs> uh, my mama <laughs> voted twice and, and then my daddy got arrested. The criminal justice system, my cousin's still locked up. Why should I vote? How mm-hmm. do you have the, the ability, how are you able to cut through all of that noise, all at lived experiences? You know, I, I, maybe I did vote just once and I saw nothing that changed and I didn't take a civics mm-hmm. class. So I don't know how to make those connections. How do we more effectively cut through the noise that is really good at preventing people in the low voting population from hearing all of the potential power uh, that their votes actually hold?
1: So this is what I like to try and do. What I try to do is like you said earlier speak truth to power because that is our strongest weapon the truth and the facts right so i go don't you wish there was a way that you could fire the people that were doing things against you in government mm-hmm. and people were like yeah but you can't i said oh 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 but you can <laughs> it's like a, you know it's like a little setup it's like you can they just aren't telling you and when you said that about civics i recently found out that they are not uh, doing like maybe last year is when I found out that they weren't teaching civics in schools the way they used to and it blows my mind but then again, it also it's right lockstep in with what they're doing with CRT. Mm. The GOP is trying to keep the facts and the truth away from everyone because Mm. they do not want you to know that you are the hiring and firing managers for the government that is so that is what I try to you know tell people all the time like people think that voting is doing a favor to politicians it's not doing politicians a favor Mm. it is you you are basically giving your voice and saying hey this is my input. I don't like this. I don't like this person. I think this is a sham. So I'm going to pick things that go against the things I don't like. I'm going to support the things I do like. That is all you're doing when you vote. You're Hmm. not pledging your undying love to the Democratic Party. You're not out here claiming that you are going to be a simp for Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or all these things that I've been hearing. I'm just like, that is one of the most idiotic ways to think about it. And I don't wanna call people idiotic for thinking that because I understand how they got there. When Barack Obama started running for president, our political landscape and here's the thing, Barack Obama was the first political candidate we have had in American history that had social media at his (laughs) disposal. Wow. When he was running, right? Wow. So, because you know, Facebook, yeah. Facebook started around like 2005, but you know, at first, it was you had to have a college email to get right. into it and all that kind of right. stuff. And so, MySpace was all we really had. And, and mind you,
0: I, don't forget that. Yeah, and Planet.
1: Black, listen, I, <laughs> Black Planet was the place, honey.
0: Listen, stayed up in the computer labs all night, right? all, all night on Black Planet. <laughs>
1: that's it though that's it they so, know where we're coming from though and there's some people there are people out there who were in those black planet chat rooms with us so <laughs> they know what we're talking about but you know so barack obama had social media at his disposal that shifted our political landscape from being you know talking about uh issues to more of a popularity and a personality kind of thing right mm-hmm. so i don't like that politics has become a personality cult because it takes your your focus away from what they're supposed to be doing so uh-huh. they get to like they get to extol all these personal traits like oh people liked mango mussolini because he said what he said and he you know he kept it real that so they think he's a blowhard who lies and has a limited vocabulary i don't know why anybody is attracted to that but you know so be it but because we got into this personality cult type thing with politics Mm -hmm. we started going for who we liked and not what we need Mm. and that is the issue we have to be need-based voters. I try to tell everybody that doesn't like voting and who doesn't like you know, parties and all of them are liars, all of them are schemers, all of them are the same. Sure, that's fine. You can think that. At the end of the day, the position will still be filled. So if you are not putting your input into who goes into that position, you don't even have a right to complain about it. And also you're hindering everyone else from getting what we need when you don't participate. Only 49% of the voting public participated in the 2018 uh, midterm elections. And that has been the highest since 1914. Wow. The highest participatory percentage we have had in midterm elections is 49%. That's not even half. That's not even happening. It it obviously isn't a majority. So think about if the majority of people are out here hurting, if the majority of people are out here struggling, but the minority are the ones calling the shots, Mm. the majority is never going to get its needs met. So until we raise voter participation to at the very least, at the very least, to elicit change in this country, every time change has happened. People show up to the polls. I want to say it's a like a 60, 61 percent. Mm. That's when when we have like six over 60 percent voter participation, that's when change happens in this country. Barack Obama, I think, pulled out, I, I forget the numbers, so don't quote me on this, but it was something like in the 60s, like 63, something wow. like that. Wow. But that but well, you see, like there's still 40% of the people who didn't vote for the right. president. Mm. And Joe Biden, I I don't remember the numbers on him because I was not researching it that much at the time. I was just relieved that we were out of the hellscape. So (laughs) I I wasn't even looking at the numbers. I was like, thank God. But with (laughs) Joe Biden, he set a record for the presidential uh, election, like for people coming out. And that still was only like 80 million Americans voted for him and 77 million voted for the other guy. We have three hundred and thirty-three million those right. in this country. Right, that's not that's that's minuscule. And so, basically, what I try to impress upon people is that you can talk about it all you want to. If you're not doing anything, nothing's gonna change. That's if right. If nothing changes, nothing changes. So if you're not changing the way you put in your input. On who works in our legislature, our legislative laws and our legislative systems are going to remain the same nonsense that they have been, that have been hurting us and that have been oppressing us since we've been here. Mm.
0: You gotta vote. You gotta vote. You got to vote. And what's the end of that phrase? You got to vote. Oh ho. There it is. (laughs) Oh, I need that. Brittany, we need that on a sound. We need that as a sound effect. (laughs) We will cite you. It's like, get out here and vote, ho. That's all you got to do. You said so much there. You talked about the personalities. And to me, it feels like a Mm -hmm. a celebrity culture around our elected officials. And and I've told people, I was like, you ain't voting for your baby father or your child. like That part. We ain't trying to find somebody to marry. Um, right. Oh, you know, like it's... it's That we should be needs-based voters as opposed to personality-based voters. I really, I, I want to, at some point, and I I know we have, we're up against the clock, but the next time we have you come back, because I'm already on <laughs> let Shayla, know we need to have you come back. Uh, I want to really dip into this needs-based voting uh, mm-hmm. component a little bit, because I feel like that's something that people often don't miss. We don't expect benefits, tangible benefits to come as a result of engaging in the election. Elections are supposed right. to be transactional in a certain way. I That's vote right. for you to extract benefits so that you can bring them home to my people. Can you just that sort of is. tease out what that that needs-based voting, what might that look like if more of us were engaging with the electorate or with our candidates in that way as opposed to, I don't like her, she get on my nerves. I don't like right. how she talks. She were all in pants right. all the time. What
1: would it's, that it's, look like, Kelly? It's madness. What it would look like if we had need-based voting is that, A, I think the politicians would be put on notice. And here's why I say that. A lot of the people, especially in the GOP, now, yes, there are people in the Democratic Party that do this too, but by far, it's not as many and it's not to the same extent as the GOP. Mm. The politicians that we like, we don't like, who are thinking about running, they would all be put on notice if we showed up because they would know if I made these promises on the campaign trail and I didn't deliver in two years, these people are gonna come back and fire me. It's the same with any job. If you had a job and your boss told you this is what they wanted you to complete by the end of the week and you didn't do it, would you still have your job? No, Mm. however, that is exactly what we are allowing our legislators to do. We tell them we need this, we need a universal pre-K. They say, "Okay, I'll think about it." They get in there, and if they haven't introduced a bill, they aren't supporting a bill, they aren't uh, arguing for a bill on the floor, any of those things. They're not doing what you ask them to do. Mm. And what do you do? You stay home in two years when it's time for their uh, employment evaluation, when it's time for their, you know, their review. You. Don't go to the b- poll and say whether this person did a good job or a bad job. So mm. basically, they get away with not doing their jobs and they're still getting their full salary, still getting their full benefits, still getting their health care. And we're sitting around, we're running around here. We don't have health insurance, but they do. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, mm. so basically, okay. I feel like it would shift the entire paradigm of how our legislature works, because the only reason these people lie in your face and then do things behind your back is because they know you're not going to fire them. They know you're not going to fire them because only 49% of the people show up. So they they know that they have job security while they're committing malfeasance and doing reckless things in office because their bosses do not care.
0: Mm. Their
1: bosses don't care. And guess what? We are their bosses. (laughs) So if we're not out here doing what we need to do, how can we expect them to do what they need to do? You know, like how can we expect to hold that's them to a, a standard if we're not keeping up the standard
0: ourselves? That's right. That is very real talk. And, and I'm thinking about these young people, again, who do not have access to civics education. We actually launched the Advocacy Academy at the Law Center where I'm executive director because that's we awesome. recognize it don't matter how much I tell you, I can go into every courtroom and win every lawsuit that's pertaining to the right to vote. But if my people don't know how to exercise the right to vote, Weary whether I'm actually spending my time as wisely as I should. And I'm thinking about the fact that our schools are no longer providing this information. Is there a role for traditionally Black-owned and operated institutions to fill in this gap? I'm reminded that when Septima Clark uh, was trying to teach people how to read, she was using the Constitution Mm -hmm. to teach them how Uh to read. Because at the same time, they was gonna learn the civics, they was gonna get this information. Exactly. What role should our, our churches? I, I mentioned that you're you're coming up on your 25th anniversary of your membership as a part of your sorority. What mm-hmm. role do our religious institutions, our mosques, our, our faith-based spaces, our civic spaces, uh like the D9, like uh, you know, the Lynx and, and other such groups, the the free, all of them, what role do they play in filling in that gap? Because ain't nobody else coming to fill it.
1: Right, right. So I, I will say, uh, as a member of Delta Theta Security Incorporated, we have one of our five point thrusts is political awareness and involvement. So mm-hmm. we are very, you know, we have Delta Days at the Capitol. Deltas have been in- integral in our legislature in this country. The very first uh, event that we held as an organization was the March in the Women's Suffrage March in mm-hmm. 1913. It's mm-hmm. actually so the. The origin of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, if a lot of people aren't aware, people who are in BGLOs usually know this, but I'll give you a quick rundown. The entire active membership of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated on Howard's campus in 1912 decided that being a social group was not enough for them, because Mm -hmm. what was going on with the suffrage movement at the time, they said, we need to be a part of this. So because they had already been established as a social uh, institution, they wanted to change the total angle of what they were doing. And what, what are the symbols for change, total and angle in mathematics? Delta, Sigma, and theta. So they changed the letters of the organization. They changed the colors. And there were alumni who were not
0: too happy about that. (laughs) So they were like, no. uh, Alumni who were members of of Alpha Kappa Alpha. Alpha Kappa Alpha. Alpha, Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes.
1: So alumni of Howard who had graduated already said, we created this you're not going to take our stuff and you know do whatever you want to do with it you little rabble rousers. So (laughs) basically, all the girls who were active in aka switched to Delta and the older members, the, I would I call them the grad chapter at this time, the grad chapter kept everything with AKA. And so that's how we became two organizations. But we really were just one group of Black women who were interested in being politically involved. And mm. so that is why it's the cornerstone of Delta Sigma Theta. Wow. Uh, they made us march in the back. They made our founders march at the end because, they, you know, back in the day, and I didn't learn this until 2020, there were actually women who called themselves antis, who were anti-suffragettes, who thought that women did not need to vote because women, Hmm. they they couldn't think properly and they didn't know about these things. You know, and obviously this is the early 1900s. So they thought what they thought about women's input on things. So the anti-suffragettes, and the regular and the suffragettes were still all racists. well (laughs) they were still all racist there's that yes (laughs) they were still all racist so them being racist they didn't even want our founders to participate so they made them march in the back so but is this this the same year
0: is this the same year that ida b wells also had to sneak into the delegation yes wow absolutely
1: absolutely wow That's it. That's okay.
0: It. So, so you're that, saying this is an organization. We ain't got to tell them about how. <laughs> we ain't got to tell them so that. <laughs> those <into yes>. this.
1: <laughs> All right. But I will say this for our religious organizations and everyone else, the religious organizations, they have to be careful because 501c3, you know, it's a little shaky there. You can't, right. uh, right. you can't support candidates and you can't support parties, but you can support people being involved in mm. legislature. Mm. So, Um, With our churches and everything I think one of the things they could do in order to like introduce it to people who are not participatory in the legislative process in our country, they could let people know exactly what voting is like just put it out there just give it to the people and tell the people listen. We are hiring and firing managers for the people who make the laws that rule our lives, mm-hmm. that rule our everyday lives. And so if you're not getting involved in this process, and it's not just a, a federal level, people don't understand, there are so many elected legislative offices on the local level on the state level and the federal level that we have to pay attention now i know it's a lot it's a lot like who in their right mind with all the things that are going on especially like with the pandemic and everything who in their right mind has the time to you know research every single candidate right so to your question i'll say this i think organizations, especially that are focused on serving black people have a responsibility Mm. to do the legwork for the people that they serve. Mm. And that's what, that's kind of what I try to do. I try to do the legwork and then combine it and distill it so that it is easy to give to people and easier to give to the masses because nobody has the time to look up all these candidates and figure out which person is going to meet my needs. So I think organizations, they have the reach to do that. They have the resources to do that. So if they start doing things like that, and instead of saying, okay, just vote blue. Now I will say this for 2022, absolutely vote blue because blue is all we got, (laughs) blue is all we got. But instead of saying, you know, vote blue or vote only for the Democrats, what they should do is just get these, candidates together and let the candidates issue what they want to do or their beliefs or what you know what bills they're supporting what uh anything that they're supporting then after you compile that for the people you let the people decide who meets their needs so Mm -hmm. if the organizations could get together and figure out a way to just present to the people here are the people running for these offices here's what they stand for you make the decision on who you want to hire for this. Hmm. I think I think that you know it also keeps them safe with the five hundred one c threes and everything. Yep. Like you're not yep. you're not uh, you're not doing you're not committing any kind of tax fraud like someone else has done. <laughs> so you know it it I I feel that that is one way that organizations could help. But at the end of the day, even though it is a lot of legwork, we all have our own responsibility to make these decisions for ourselves, because nobody goes into that booth with you. Mm. So you have to know what you're doing and you have to know what's going on and you have to be, you know, confident in the choices you're going to make, because these choices affect your literal lives. Mm. Like, remember back in the day when um, Diddy had that vote or die uh, campaign? Right now, I w- like, I wish he hadn't done it back then, because we need it right now. <laughs> Wait, like, we are literally on a precipice about to go over the cliff if we do not get our legislature back under control. Mm. It's it's really that serious. Just like you were saying earlier about the census and everything. Yeah. It, uh, Years that end in zero, 2020 was a census year. They have, and a lot of people didn't participate in the census in
0: 2020. So didn't.
1: I don't understand. I, why would you not want to stand up and be counted and say, this is how many Black people live in this neighborhood. This is how many Asian people live over here. This is how many Latinos we have over here. This is how many natives we have over here. You know, I. that's how you get your districts drawn and people who are going to serve you right. in office.
0: Right. But right.
1: a lot of people just don't know. They And that's the other thing. A lot of people just don't know. So I think it's information. At, at the end of the day, the short answer is, All of these organizations, use your resources to get the information to the people. Mm. And and the information needs to be what the people need to do and who they need to be looking at to do it. That's it.
0: This is um, exactly what I was hoping for with this conversation. (laughs) This this comment that you left. Yeah, I told uh, our guests that, oh, it'll be like a 20 minute interview. We are well past that, <laughs> that I, this, it's all for the good because this is exactly what it is that we have to be uh, mindful of when we're having these conversations. But this phrase right here, we have a responsibility to do the leg work for the masses. That, yes. I, I think if that could fit on a bumper sticker or a t-shirt um, for all of us who live in Blacklandia, that is exactly <laughs> what I think is important. And, and to your point, you are absolutely right. We cannot have um, our religious and faith-based groups siding with particular candidates or particular parties but you most certainly can say this is how a ballot works this is what it means to vote this is when the city council hearing schedule is going to take place this is when they're going to be voting on things here's the calendar do with it what you will we're just providing Mm -hmm. you the information uh kelly huff this has been fantastic i've already sent (laughs) shayla a note that i want you to come back on these airways yes. I, I'm interested, yes, in hearing from the people who have the very well-researched and database points about this, this, that, and the other, but I'm actually mm-hmm. more interested in having conversations with people who are able to speak truth to power in a way that can cut through the noise and get the message right. into the ears of the people who need it. How do folks follow you until the next time we can get you back on this show? How can they connect with you? How can they figure out how to better vote? Ho? Like, how do okay. they do all of that? <laughs> Give us details. You, can, you can find
1: me on TikTok you can even find me at bell curve which is spelled b-e-l-l-e-k-u-r-v-e it's a play on the bell curve because you know the bell curve is nonsense so i decided to take it back and reclaim it for us so (laughs) it's bell curve on tiktok and also vote ho on tiktok v-o-t-e-h-e-a-u-x i'm also vote ho on ig and you can go to my website voteho.org and there is a page on my website called important links. If mm. you go to the important links page, I have listed like multiple organizations who help you find out whether or not registered, where you can register. Mm. There's different uh, candidates. Uh, websites on there if you want to go and support those people. So, you know, you can look down it and find any kind of information you need. If you don't want to Google, go to my website, go to the important links page and start there. Make sure you are registered because there has been a lot of nonsense going on with people getting kicked off of roles all over the country. So even if you think you're good, just double check. Mm. and please please for the love of everything holy on november 8th this year vote. Ho, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you heard it here folks she is kelly huff and she is the truth and she is speaking truth to power in a way that cannot be ignored uh it's been such a pleasure having you here thank you so much for being with us today i cannot wait to get you back